So Stacey, how about for like people who are listening to this right now and they're in the early stages of discovery about sexual secrets in their marriage. And so they are like traumatized, capital T, like having a hard time functioning Mm -hmm. and wondering how in the world are they going to even go beyond taking care of basic needs of their kids. You remember those stages where maybe you, it was like even taking a shower for you to take a shower was like a big victory yeah. because you're just so either stuck in the grief or just in shock and overwhelm and trauma. Um, mm -hmm. And I know how worried I felt about my kid, mm -hmm. about my child in, mm -hmm. and when I was in that state and that I was going to like ruin him. Yeah. So what would you say to a parent that's in that phase of recovery? Well, I think that number one, parenting is like a job sometimes in that it is a, not a reprieve, but a reprieve from the craziness of betrayal trauma. It's like, it's, it's the reality that will take you out of it for a few minutes. When you've got a crisis with your child or you're doing homework for just a few minutes, you forget about it. And so I would embrace it as much as you can of this is the thing, like who knows what's going to happen in your future. But the one thing that you can control, the one thing you can do is to, it can motivate you to be the best parent you know how to be as I'm going to show up for my kids as much as possible. But then I also would normalize the hard feelings that you're having. And that's why it's important that they know something's going on because they're intuitive. And I'll tell you what, I'd get you a magnet and get a feelings chart with little faces that match and stick it on your refrigerator so that the whole family starts to heal. And so that the whole family gets a sense of, you know, today I'm angry and in this house, it's okay to be angry, you know, but, but you, but there's limits to your anger. You know, today I am shocked and it's okay to be shocked. Today it's okay to be sad in my family. You know, we want to be a family in recovery that's talking the language and learning the language of recovery. So if you're having a bad day, you can simply talk about it's okay to have a bad day. Now, if you find yourself depressed on the couch every single day, not able to be a parent, get your rear end to a therapist and a psychiatrist and get on some meds to help you parent right? Yeah. Ask for help. Ask, Ask for help. help. Do yeah. what you got to do to, to get up and make it happen. But if you are neglecting your children, you have to take care of you first. And I think that's the yeah. biggest thing I want to say to all people that are either single parenting or realize that they haven't been parenting or, or are in their marriage and parenting alone is take care of yourself. Yeah. Because now I'm not talking about a narcissistic way because you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of times the people that did the betraying are, are a whole nother category out here is that I realized I've been an absent parent. And part of that is because they're so focused on their addiction that they haven't been much of a parent. I'm not talking about self-care that way. I'm talking That's about self-care either. I'm is it? not self-care at all. <laughs> But I'm talking about truly filling yourself up with what you need in order to be a good parent. And sometimes that means taking a break from the kids. Sometimes that means grandma, grandpa got to keep the kids while I go by myself to visit the beach for the weekend or 
to, you know, just stay at home and get stuff done when they're not here. You know, so many people are in just go mode all the time. They don't even think outside the box of why can't I? Why couldn't I take a trip overnight somewhere? Why couldn't I go take a walk by myself or whatever it is? You got to know the thing that refills you and recharges you. And like you mentioned before, the, the danger is it being another person, another unhealthy person. So finding things that that do help you feel like is, that are life-giving and can fill you back up again is so very important. Whether it's just grooming, taking care of yourself, getting up and making yourself get in the shower, you know, getting a haircut, brushing your teeth, putting up and showing up, right? Yes, absolutely. And I like to use the analogy of, of the oxygen mask when your plane is, if your if your plane is going to go down, they tell you put your own oxygen mask on first so that you can assist those next to you. Yeah, that is the essential, you know, the essential just basics of like eating, sleeping, mm-hmm. like basic self care, right? On those super fundamental levels, but then also taking it a step further and like what brings you joy? It can be super simple. Walk around in bare feet on your grass, perhaps yes. not in the winter time, although cold can for a moment be good for you. It can like, you know, jolt you into sure. reality, but like there in Texas, you could probably walk around barefoot in the grass all year <laughs> round, all year round. It would not be a problem. <laughs> so it can be a very simple thing. You don't have to go spend a bunch of money, but the, especially nature. And I know not everybody jives with it, but God's creation really does have power to heal especially when we slow things down and take deep breaths yes and sometimes for me Stacey like I know a big uh, thing that I had to hold on to in my single parenting was to do one moment at a time I wanted to know the future and am I I I was deeply grieving I I had had one baby and I found out about my betrayal when I was 16 weeks pregnant with him. So I felt like wow. I lost my whole pregnancy, um, the whole birth experience and newborn. I mean, like it was all laced with repeat discoveries, disclosures, and then divorce when he was 10 months old. So I felt like I had been robbed and like, I was, I was like just so deeply grieved at the thought that I would never maybe have a baby and go through that experience with an intact loving partnership. Well, grief lies. Yeah. Grief lies. And one of the chapters in my book, it said, I, I, I lost the beach in the divorce Mm. and I'm walking down the beach with my two friends saying, I'll, it'll never be the same. And here I was walking on the beach with my friends. I didn't lose the beach, but I felt like it was gone because my memories were so tied to that fishing with my husband and, um, and, 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 you know, all the memories we had crabbing with our kids and doing all these things. And, and I just crying salty tears, you know, saying like, I, the salt water will never be the same to me Mm, because it was too laced with painful memories. Right. And, 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 but grief lies, grief lies, because as I'm sitting here now and was sitting here, as I was writing the book, I'm on the deck of my beach house that I bought myself, you know, life dream stuff. Yeah. 
And we're so short-sighted in those moments. We don't see that. Look at you now. I know. You know? Like, yeah, lo and behold, I did have another baby. I, yeah. did, I did get remarried and have another baby. And, yes. and here's the thing is I had idealized what that would be like too. Oh, and, you yeah. know, I had a fantasy of like, oh, if I get remarried and then like, then I will be a single mom. And like, OMG, like getting, getting remarried, blending a family uh, ain't for sissies. It's been hard sure, and sure. difficult and challenging on so many levels. And yes, I would do it again, given the choice, but it's like, you're, it's like, you're just going from one difficult situation into another because that life is filled with some challenges, but it's also filled with joy. And that's the thing is a lot of times if we get too deep into our grief, without my therapist taught me to balance, like do my grief work and definitely work on my grieving, but also gratitude, like hold the balance of like focus, what you get, what you focus on, you get more of. So I would make a 10, 10 list of 10 things I was grateful for every day. And sometimes it was, I have food in my fridge, like early on. Yeah. Did you, did you ever read Ann Voskamp? A thousand gifts. Yes. Yes. I, and I wrote, and one of my chapters is on gratitude. You know, it's the steaming cup of coffee on a cold morning. It's the cold AC underneath my warm, cozy cup covers. And when I would get flowery and very descriptive, like all those things became comfort. And I still will, you know, I got one right beside me, you know, pick up a cushy blanket and it feels like a hug from Jesus for me. It feels like comfort for me. And it's still comfort, you know, hot water of the shower, like, like, you know, we, we get disconnected from our bodies. This is my head. It's connected to my body with the hot water on it. These are my shoulders. They do work for me and really connecting back to my body, you know, a vanilla candle. I mean, whatever the little things are to bring, to bring those comforts back to you, they don't have to be expensive, but you just have to know what they are. Well, and, and for you who are listening, you might be thinking, what are they talking about? Fuzzy blanket. Like I am dying in a pile. Okay. Let me tell you, friends, I am so jiving and resonating with Stacey. It takes practice to focus your energy on enjoying simple little things and moments. And when your nervous system has been hijacked by trauma, it takes practice to learn how to calm and regulate and also feel all the feelings, but not allow them to completely suck you under like, like you're drowning out in the middle of the ocean. Right. And then to, in the moments where you do come up for air to notice and appreciate, I love thinking of the, of the phrase deliberate (laughs) appreciation. So that's exactly what Stacy's doing. You couldn't see her if you're listening to the podcast. You couldn't see how she picked up her fuzzy blanket and like held it up to her face and like deliberately appreciating your blanket and and feeling like this is a reminder of God's presence with me. Part of that can grow in us when we practice them, right? It just takes practice. It's part of mindfulness and it's part of grounding ourselves in the present. And the present is usually pretty safe. 
Not always, but usually it is. You know, the past is the betrayal, what happened to us, the mistakes we've made, the bad choices, all that stuff. The future, well, we all know how scary that can be when we really allow ourselves to get in it. But the present moment, one thing we can do is engage our senses and start to enjoy the taste of something salty or something sweet. We all know like sweet makes us feel, you know, comforted. Yeah. And engage our senses in those things. It brings us back to the present and the present is usually pretty safe. And that definitely can calm down our nervous system. Yeah. And I think that learning to regulate ourselves is probably one of the most important parenting tips ever, in my opinion. For sure. Like, because sure. then I can teach my kids how to regulate themselves when they're getting upset. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I know we we helped our kids with because when 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 you blend a family right there's a divorce is one source of grief and there's all other grief when you're blending a family and like I'm you know I had a son and my husband had a daughter my son was full, five when we got married my stepdaughter was nine and like these kids went through massive grief over having a step parent and that blending process and we taught them how to process their anger by taking little plastic cups. This is a great tip. If you have kids, put them on a concrete, like solo cups, you know, like turn them upside down and stomp on them, have the kids stomp on them or beat their bed with their fists so that they can do something to physically release their anger. Cause it's going to be normal that our kids are angry. It is, it is, it is. And when we can show them ways to process their anger and normalize hard feelings. Yeah they're going to be more prepared for the world. They're watching. Those little kids are watching what you're doing. They are. Every they bit. Are, Every they bit. Are. One other thing, Stacy, is like, um, what are your thoughts on like the, the fear over generational sin, like this being passed down to my kids because it's gone on in my marriage? Like, how did you deal with that? Well, I think we've got to be the change agent. We've got to be the, the, whatever we are in control of, which is just us and what we do, but we can be the change agent. You know, there's addiction runs deep in both sides of my kid's family. Yeah. I can be the change agent that says, okay, when I do something different, the system has to do something different. So they have choices. They can go this path or they can go this path. So I am speaking out and saying what I see as happening so that they can see that they have choices for themselves. So, I mean, I think, I think that that's one of the most important things, of course, you know, swept up into a generational curse. I can see that that there's a lot of fear associated with that. Um, But I don't let that be the thing that stops you. There's so many things that stop us from getting out of unhealthy situations. Fear stops us all the time. And one of the biggest things that I see is financial fears. Fears of, of, you know, I can't do this alone. A lot of us, I was a stay-at-home mom um, until I decided to go back to school. When I started seeing the writing on the wall, I started going back to school, not to develop a master plan to leave him, but just to say, I got to get in a place where Stacy feels okay about herself. Yeah. feels like I could contribute to the world because I didn't like to be in a place of fear. And so uh, I want to just say to you that 
I have seen God provide for single women, and I'm sure men too, but I just deal mostly with women, but for people that are in abusive or addicted situations where there is no change, I will tell you because Kristen, I really had to look at myself and go, okay, I have a lot of divorcing women in my practice. You know, Lord, am I leading too many people? Am I just this man hater person? And the Lord very quickly showed me, let me just show you, Stacey. And he brought to my mind one, two, three, 10, 20 people where there is nothing that to explain away stuff except for God, Mm -hmm. you know, cars, jobs, um, private school education, um, opportunity, provision, provision, provision. And I just want to say trusting that and making a plan and following a plan, but trusting that God can provide, I'll tell you what opens the door to a testimony for your kids. Like you wouldn't believe one of my greatest stories is everybody in my family always had technology before me. You know, I was the one that was scrimping and saving and frugal and never spending money. The church was helping us out. The church was, you know, paying our light bill. So new iPhone comes out and I'm three iPhones behind and, you know, I, and my phone's glitching and it's doing all these weird things. And my son, and I was thinking to myself, I'm getting financial assistance from the church. There's no way that I can go get a new iPhone. That just feels wrong. And so my son goes, mom, you know that you can sell your phone on Craigslist and buy the new iPhone. And there's only like a $32 difference. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I still feel bad. So I just kept thinking about it and I finally made the decision. He talked me into doing it. And so that day I was going to run to the mall. There was a line for the new iPhone and I was going to get in line and I'm running. I'm doing my morning run before I got ready to go to the mall and I'm running and I'm just going forward. And all of a sudden I see a wad of money on the ground. Not kidding. And I'm like, look around. Nobody's around. I'm in my neighborhood. There were no people, no cars. Scoop that up. Stick it in here. Keep going. I get home and I met and I counted the money. It was $32. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I have a million stories of provision from God too. It's amazing when you take those steps of faith, Yeah, how he shows up. It really is incredible. And and he was just saying, I see you. I see you and you're worth it. Just go get your phone and be happy. I love it. I love it. I do need to answer a question that I know is a very common one that that we get um, in Living Truth and especially in the women in the battle groups that I lead um, is, is, are we trying to and, and this goes along with what you were saying about all the women in your practice who were ending up getting a divorce. Um, are we ever telling people to get a divorce? No, we are it's not. Um, it is completely an individual's decision. Um, I just want to be very clear that we are not advising people to go get a divorce. Nobody knows when it's time for that, except for the individual themselves. Um, what we are doing, I'll speak for you too, Stacey, because I know this about you is we are equipping, we are informing, we are educating, we are supporting, and we are, um, 
breathing life and truth into these women about what their choices are. Um, not necessarily even legal choices, but provision, right? And so a lot of times I think women um, especially are not valuing themselves and not um, and just feeling like they just have to stay and put up with abuse right. and adultery. Um, and we believe that marriage is an institution created by God. It is holy. It is sacred. Um, it God's intent was for one man and one woman. And Jesus stated that adultery was a covenant breaking act. So a lot of times people will think divorce, like a woman is breaking up her family if she chooses to file for divorce after her husband has betrayed her. But in fact, the betrayal is what broke up that marriage. That's what ended that covenant. So I just wanted to point that out because I think these are things that people get real, real huffy about. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the truth is I always have people do plan B because it gets rid of the fear. So if they stay, they're not staying in their marriage because they have to, but because they choose to, to. because they want to, because they realize I can make it on my own. It's not about that. I'm choosing to be here for a reason. So there's always, uh, I mean, in most circumstances, there's always a plan B so that you can choose that you're not staying out of a place of fear at all. I will be the first one to tell a woman that her husband's not in recovery, that he's not working a good recovery program. She can decide that on her own, but I'll show her what truth is, what recovery looks like and what she can expect. And Mm -hmm. I'll also show her what, where, you know, I will also talk about how to give grace. You know, it's last resort. We're not expecting perfection, but it's not okay to have somebody who's continually deceiving, lying, not doing their own work, That's continually right. acting out, crossing that flesh line and like denying it or whatever. I mean, it's just, that is unacceptable. It is, it is. Or even not crossing the flesh line, but continuing yeah. to watch porn all the time right. and lying about it or yep. continuing not, not being committed to recovery and staying out of it. Yes. So it it's it's still a drain, a pull. It's still betrayal. It's still continued betrayal. And there's so many resources out there. There's no reason that 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 they can't get help. So I'll, yeah, I'll be the first to say that. But it's always, always, always their decision. And I'll I'll say, you know what? If you choose to stay, I'm in here with you for the interim. Yeah. And I'm here with you no matter what you choose and what you decide because you're going to need me. <laughs> Yeah, either way. And so friends, like sometimes we have to pick our pain, right? Yeah. Like I tell, I tell women that I work with who are in that separated place, that in-between place of like the marriage is not restored yet. I don't know if I'm going to end up divorced. Where am I going to, what, what am I going to do? I tell them your choices, your options here are crappy, crappier and crappiest. Like whether you stay or whether you go or whether you stay separated, these are all hard in the moment and in the, in the foreseeable future. So, you know, picking the pain that is productive Mm. based on the truth that you have, I think is, is so important. Um, That's a reality. That's such a reality slap in the face, Kristen, of like crap, crappy or crappy because because like you talked about idealizing earlier, we idealize what it should be. 
we don't want to be pumping down here at the end of, of, you know, crappy. We want this great, beautiful, romantic, wonderful thing, right? But I love just the reality of, nope, this is what it is. And, and you've got to make a choice on it because the stuckness, you can say stuck so easily in a situation like that. But once, once you did like make the decision and, um, and, and started your life as a single person, I know I personally did feel, especially when my divorce was finalized, I felt a spiritual cloud of heaviness lift off of me. Now it was still painful. I had a lot of work to do. I was deeply depressed. I'm not saying it was great. Once I got divorced, it was great. No, it was hard. It was deeply difficult and painful, but I did feel something lift off of me, like a heaviness lift off of me when that covenant was. Yeah, my my password on my computer was free, F-R-E-E, because I felt that. But I'll tell you, I thought all my grieving was done. Oh gosh, no. no. I had to, I had to pray soul tie prayers to break yes. that covenant because it because my yes. heart was still connected. I mean, we were bound together, right? So it was still painful, but the oppression of the addiction and the lies and the manipulation and the mixed messages and the gaslighting, all of that junk was gone. And that allowed me to to breathe again. You know, I tell people. You know, if you live near a toxic waste dump, I can teach you all the skills in the world. But if you're in that toxic waste dump, you are still going to be affected by it. So until you get take, you know, steps to be away from it, boundaries to be away from it, we can only do so much good until you're not being affected by it anymore. Unless you're still parenting with that person. (laughs) Oh, well, now that's a good thing to bring up right at the end here. I know, right? I have a matrix in my book, Co-Parenting Matrix. Can you reason with this person? Can you have a logical conversation? If the answer is yes, yes, co-parent. But I couldn't, you know, there wasn't any logic. There was an ulterior motive. There was manipulation. There was confusion around it always. So I had to do the best I could do. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I couldn't do, right? And those were the hardest times where I couldn't co-parent. I just, ha- I couldn't rely that he was going to be on time or he's going to do what he said he'd do. So I always had a plan B. If he didn't show up, grandma, can you keep my child so that I could have a semblance of a normal life so that I could plan something so I could do something. One thing I learned is I couldn't change him, but I yeah. could make decisions for me that I could make to live according to my values. But mm. co-parenting with a hard co-parent, another co-parent, I mean, you know, there's a reason that the marriage didn't work out, right? Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I would always, I will always say, try to do it. But if you can't understand that there are limitations to it. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, especially if you have young kids and, you, and you, you're worried about them being um, affected by it and mm-hmm. affected by what they hear and being invalidated. They come home to you. Yeah. And you can validate how they're feeling, you know, without talking about the spouse, without demeaning the spouse, you can certainly validate what they're feeling. Well, daddy won't let me hang out with so-and-so. Oh, tell me about that. What's that like for you? How does that feel Mm -hmm. for you? Well, what do you think you could do? Is there anything you could do? And then you can empower them to have a voice with their other parent, be their safety when they come back Mm -hmm. um, and give God the rest of the junk. You know, only he can do 
miracles on the other side, but you can create um, resilient, empowered kids to speak up to dysfunctional situations. They see it. Trust me. It might take them a while, uh-huh. but they'll see it. Yeah, eventually. absolutely. I, to, to just close our time, I remind myself regularly that God loves my son more than I do. Yes. And when I worry about my daughters too, I mean, cause we all worry about our kids as parents sometimes, right? When I, when I get preoccupied or worried, I always am reminded like God loves them more. He loves them more. He's with them always. Yes. And then I turn them over to his care. That's something we have to do on the regular as parents. Is it not? Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go over and over and over again. Yeah. They're resilient. They really, really are. Yeah. But there's ways that we can do it best. Taking care of ourselves, holding space for them, getting help for ourselves so we're not putting our junk on them, holding space for them so that they can feel and 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 feel validated in what they're feeling, normalize their emotions. There's a lot we can do and the rest we give to God. That's right. Well, yeah. Stacy, thank you so much for taking time to be with us on the Living Truth podcast today. You guys If you have benefited from this episode, would you take a moment, just pause and fill out a rating and a review, um, whether you listen on Podbean or um, Apple Podcasts or whatever you use, if you would rate us and review this podcast, that'll give more people the opportunity to hear this episode and other episodes of the Living Truth Podcast. So until the next one, I am holding out hope for you. 